Welcome back to the Roaring Glory podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is season three, episode four. We're talking about John Bunyan and his book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Let's begin. Hi. We're, we're back again. <laughs> we're back again. Yeah. Uh, did you say episode four? Yeah. Four A. Four A. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe multiple parts. We'll here. see. Hey, we promised you that we were going to talk about the greatest pilgrim, pro- or the greatest Puritan work, <laughs> the greatest pilgrim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could he be called the greatest pilgrim? Hey, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, we promised you we'd talk about the greatest Puritan work probably ever. Pilgrim's Progress. Yes. And so we've made it to that day. So good. Charles Spurgeon read it multiple times. That good. Yeah. That's good. Kind of like watching a movie over and over again. I don't do that, but... I do. It, that would have to be really good. Yeah. I'm not going to mention what film that is, because that isn't the podcast that we're doing. But I'm glad that Someday, you... I'll reenact the whole movie on the podcast. <laughs> Please. It has to be very descriptive, though, because we don't have any video. We yep. might do a video for that. Yeah. Audiobook. Yeah. Anyways, we have a very special guest with us today. We have Mr. Jeff Parks. Jeff is a retired teacher and coach of 28 years. He is now using those years to minister to students at our local Christian school. Uh, Jeff's also the 15 years pastor of Cornerstone Baptist. Yeah. 15 years wow, nice. at Cornerstone Baptist, a church that he helped plant along with some charter members. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anyways, we love Jeff. Jeff has been through Pilgrim's Progress probably multiple times, and so we thought, you know, we probably need some help with this. So, And he's leading some high schoolers through Pilgrim's yes. Progress. Yeah. yeah. And how far are you guys in it? So we have left the house in the interpreter, and we just stumbled upon today uh, simple and slothful and presumptuous. Wow. Uh, and it took us 40 minutes to get through those page or two pages to, to, for the kids to fully understand what was going on there. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, understand that the education that they're getting is incredible. Um, so just to begin here, uh, Jeff, what do you know about John Bunyan? Last time we kind of introed that he spent 12 years in prison and all that sort of thing. Do you know anything else that we need to know? Oh, I probably know maybe a little less than you do, but uh, (laughs) he was uh, not very well educated. Uh, No, approximately around like a sixth-grade education, we might say. Uh, He was the chief of sinners, he would claim to be, Uh, and God uh, saved him. And the the thing that most impressed me about John Bunyan um, is what John Owen said about him. And I don't know uh, how many of you have heard of John Owen. He's another great Puritan. I know some people consider him the greatest English-speaking theologian of yeah. all time yeah. uh, and wrote numerous, numerous books on theology and uh, just a very godly man. And he was... Uh, he worked uh, along, or he worked for basically the King of England, King Charles II. And when John Bunyan would come to London and preach, uh, Owen would go to hear Owen preach. And King Charles II would ask him, "Why 
do you go listen to this tinker? Like, why do you go listen to this guy that has, like, little or no education at all? And Owen said, I would gladly trade all of my knowledge if I could preach like Bunyan or if I could touch men's hearts like the tinker does. And uh, you mentioned Spurgeon. He read Pilgrim's Progress for over over 100 times. Oh, wow. Uh, I read somewhere, I don't know who has the time to do this with their life, but they went through all of Spurgeon's uh, messages, and every fifth message, uh, Spurgeon alluded to the Pilgrim's Progress or John Bunyan. So that's the impact Bunyan had on Spurgeon. So uh, when you say he might have been the the greatest Puritan, oh, maybe he was. Maybe, Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you went through all my sermons, I don't know. I would be afraid of what you hear every fifth (laughs) sermon that uh, comes up. I don't want to know, but anyways. I love that story about uh, John Owen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that should encourage a lot of pastors everywhere. You don't have to be a, a famous theologian for God to be using you in your pulpit wherever you are. Yeah, amen. And, and if you've ever read Owen, yeah, th- it just even makes that stand out more. Because yeah. I read one paragraph of John Owen, it makes my brain hurt. Yeah. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And that brings us to the book, really, to to hear that, his commendations that he received from people that were his contemporaries, and then to read what he writes as a, I guess you could label him an uneducated man, but somebody that was so familiar with their Bible, surely not uh, a mm-hmm. simple person. But anyways, so let's get into it. Uh, Jeff, why don't you start us off? What What do you notice about Pilgrim's Progress that makes it, a unique work amongst all these Puritan writings? Well, it's all allegory. It's Mm -hmm. a dream. I mean, uh, that's how he introduces this. Was this an actual dream? That's a good question. I'm not for sure. Uh, I'm guessing maybe part of it was. I know he had a lot of time to think while he was in jail because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But uh, I think what stands out, to me is that he has again it's it's an allegory but it's an allegory of the christian's walk i mean this is our progress we are we are pilgrims we are progressing through this wilderness again i think of exodus i think of you know moses leading the nation of israel through the wilderness to the promised land and and bunyan has and again that idea is always we know foreshadows Christ has delivered us and now we are pilgrims sojourners Peter says going through the wilderness we are in the wilderness right now and we are headed to the promised land which we know is to be with Christ it's to be in in heaven with him it will be one day a new heaven and a new earth and and Bunyan has basically uh, in this allegory captured the Christian's walk as we are traveling through the wilderness along the narrow way uh, to heaven. He uses the term celestial city. Uh, that's how he uses the—that's uh, the phrase he uses to uh, for heaven. And this captures uh, not, you know, fully comprehensively, but it captures this is what the walk looks like. Uh Things that he encountered in his own life, and the way I understand it, we this is a biography of Bunyan. This is him. He's Christian. And these are things that 
either A, he has encountered, or B, he knows that uh, his brothers and sisters in Christ that he preached to encountered, and, and how we make our way through the wilderness on the path to the celestial city, and that's what he's laid for us, and he, he gives us the, uh, the high points of our Christian walk. He puts us in the, the valley of the shadow of death and everything in between, all the different characters that, if you think about it, we meet. Mm-hmm. We meet in our own lives, and, and how we respond to them. And that's the, the thing about this is, again, this, it's this allegory that is, I think, very enjoyable to read, but it is so rich doctrinally, uh, and it is so rich practically concerning our walk with Jesus. Amen. Yeah, that's really good. I did not know that he wrote it about himself, that he was considering himself as Christian. That actually is very encouraging for me. Because you, I, I view John Bunyan as like kind of this great Christian of history, and to know that like the things that he struggled with, like okay, the, the, he's a man, he's human, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily any better than you or me, but he's telling us what well, he's probably. Struggling. Well, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> he was, but you know what I'm, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But that's really cool to know that. Yeah, know. Uh, grace abounding to the chief of sinners mm-hmm. is his autobiography. Okay. And if you would read that, and I maybe even encourage you read that before you read the Pilgrim's Progress, and you'll be you can see the similarities, especially. So this is what troubled me when the first time I went through it is Christian goes through the wicked gate. Well, we, we know Jesus is the gate, not wicked, wicket, uh, narrow, and we know that when you go through Christ, He is the gate, He is the door that you're a Christian, but yet. From that point on through the interpreter's house, Christian still has his burden on his back. Mm-hmm. And it's not till he comes to the hill with the cross that the burden actually follows off. Yeah. So my question was, when was Christian saved? He yeah. went through the wicked gate. He went through the gate. He went through the door. Jesus is that door. So that really bothered me. So I called. We use uh, the Pilgrim's Progress version. Uh, it's um, been... Revised. It's been uh, published for us by a guy by the name of Barry Horner, who I have met, and I called him and asked him what's going on here, and he said that it was that is one of the way that is one of the the examples in Pilgrim's Progress of Bunyan speaking about himself because when you read through uh, Grace Abounding, uh, he really never knew when he was fully converted. There was like a two two-and-a-half-year period where, you know, he thought he was saved, then he doesn't think he's saved, and then there comes a point where he's he's assured of his salvation, and I think that's what you see here. Nice. Wow. Yeah, and that's insight that you wouldn't have unless you're somebody like Jeff who's just like, let me call the guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and find out. But just to give an example of kind of what Jeff broke down for us here at the beginning of the book— uh, he meets these characters after he has left the, the what city of destruction, as they call mm-hmm. them. He's left the city of destruction. People are crying for him to get back. They're, people are thinking about taking him by force to get him back into the city. So these two characters, pliable and obstinate, uh, end up going out to chase him down or follow him. And they're, they're not successful. In fact, pliable ends up going along for a little ways with Christian. But he, I, I underline this because I thought it was a brilliant uh, 
description of what the scriptures mean to Bunyan. And so he's telling Pliable to come with him. Um, he says, if you do not believe me, then read here in my book, and this book is the scriptures, for assuredly the truth of what is expressed in these pages has been fully confirmed by the blood of he who wrote it. And that's just kind of a sample of something that he does throughout. And if you buy a modern version, uh, like Jeff talked about, Barry Horner's, or there's some newer illustrated versions. Um, I forget who did some of those. I don't know. I've listened to the unabridged. Li- I would not recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least you can say, like, hey, I've been through the original wording of Bunyan. Yeah, well, I wouldn't but recommend it, going through the original wording. There's footnotes to all these references and expressions um, that Bunyan makes to scriptures, and it's just replete with that. And so you you see that this is really dependent on on what the scriptures tell us. And, and uh, so his, his experience uh, has to match up with the scriptures, and that's most important, I think. Yeah, uh, to quote Spurgeon concerning what you just said, prick him anywhere and mm-hmm. you will find that his blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. From him, he cannot speak without quoting a text, for his soul is full of the Word of God. Mm. <laughs> That'd be nice to have that said about you yeah, at the end of your life. Yeah, man. yeah. So, and I guess, you know, how how soon after he was converted did he was he taken into prison? And I don't know if I know that. I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know exactly. I know he had children with his first wife. We don't know the name of his first wife. Yeah. She uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, but uh, as far as that timeline, I do not know. He was a little over 30 years old when he went into prison. Um, and I'm not sure how how much that followed his conversion. But, but anyways, you got to think under the sovereignty of God, that he placed him there not only to bring light into a dark, dark place, but to also have all that time to meditate, to to hear from the Lord in the Word, and to communicate the gospel for generations, yeah, centuries. And it was costly for him. He speaks that his oldest daughter was blind, and while he was in prison, he speaks of how not being able to see her, to care for her, to love her, you know, like he knew he needed to as a father, that it was like ripping the, the, the flesh off his bones, the muscle, the sinew off his bones. And all he had to do was say, I won't preach anymore, and he would have been released. Huh. Yeah. You know, I think that comes out at the beginning of his work, too. Is, And, and that's well, the first time I went through, I thought, because he's leaving his wife and his children in the city of destruction, and he's headed... Uh, uh, to the celestial city, and you think, you're like, man, what is he? I mean, he's just up and leaving them. You know, that's just don't worry. Aren't we supposed to bear with them and 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 pray and plead the gospel with them and stuff? But he was, he wasn't communicating ab- abandonment of family, and no. certainly he would not ever do purposefully. But he was communicating uh, that if you love father or mother or brother or daughter or son more than me, you're not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a bent on I am committed first to Christ and and prayerfully on. But you talk about the second half of Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, like a part two. Like with, a part two. With his wife mm-hmm. and children, Christiana yeah. and his, his four children. 
Is there four in the I'm second not for part? Sure. To uh, my shame, <laughs> I have not read the second part. It's pretty good. Uh, there's some there's some aspects to it that you're going through the first part and you're kind of like, okay, well, what about this or this? And he kind of touches on some of those extra mm-hmm. things in the, in the second part. So it's very helpful. Uh, and he gets into some other aspects that maybe we wouldn't have thought he mm-hmm. should have, but it all very, very helpful. Yeah. Very encouraging, too. He wrote that like over 10 years after Pilgrim's Progress. Wow. It's the same kind of allegory from a dream. Um, Is it as long and deep as? I don't. I don't know that it's quite as long, uh, but definitely as deep, if not deeper. Wow. As far as the truth that is conveyed. So it's not one of those part twos that that gets a lot of notoriety, by credit. Right. I've never heard about it. You said something about it. It should get a lot more credit than it does. Yeah. Because it's very helpful. Hmm. Kind of like movies. The second one doesn't get as much hype. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Unless it's James Bond or something like that. Well, of course. Yeah. So, anyways, Jeff, what is uh, what's a high point in the allegory for you? What's a favorite part of the story? Um, I think maybe probably the most impactful is when Bunyan is in Doubting Castle. Uh, he and Hopeful, who is uh, another character in the story who is a, a believer, follower of Jesus, uh, younger. Uh, the, he's the immature, not immature, but he's, uh, he's not as mature as Christian. And Christian, uh, uh, like we're all guilty of, uh, sometimes wants to take a shortcut from the path, and uh, Christian persuades Hopeful to, and Hopeful basically says, oh, "I don't think we should do this," but because Hopeful is the, the, the you know the younger brother in Christ, uh, he he follows Christian, and they end up being taken by the giant of despair. Uh, it's a place that Bunyan depicts as a place where you know uh, professors go to die, where uh, it's just a horrible place to be. And at the very end of this, I won't spoil it for everybody, but at the very end of it, I guess I will spoil it to a degree, uh, at the very end of this, they, uh, the giant, the giant of despair, or the, the, the giant uh, is going to uh, put them to death. And just before he can make it down to the dungeon, the prison where they, he's holding uh, Christian and Hopeful, uh, they're in despair, and then... Christian reaches up to his chest pocket and he realizes there's a key hmm. in my chest pocket. <laughs> and he takes the key out and he says, Look, a key. And then Hopeful says, Well, why don't you see if it'll unlock that door? <laughs> and he does, and it does unlock the door. And they proceed on out, and then they see if that it can unlock the gates to 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 Doubting Castle. And it was a little bit harder, but yes. It sprung that door open, and they were able to leave. And the key is the promises of God. Yeah. It's, the, it's the promises that God has given his people that those who put their faith in, in Christ, those who have repented and believed, that these promises are for, for, for them, and that what's true about every born-again believer is we all have this key. But we have to take it out of our pocket, and we have to believe it. We have to use it. We have to cry out to God, 
And that's, uh, to me, the, the most impactful, I guess I would say, is how often I have been, like, Christian and, and hopeful, just laying in the doubting castle, no hope, and then, by God's grace, oh, there's a key in my pocket. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I love that, that part of the book. Is there a correlation um, with the scroll that he carries? To Does he take it out of his kind of bosom area to read and be encouraged by? Yeah, so we just went over that today in class. Oh, great, great. So, or I guess yesterday in class. And the scroll is uh, our assurance. Uh, if you look in Barry Horner's version, it will take you to Ephesians one thirteen, where it says we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Bunyan, and the, and the scroll is going to be used throughout the book, and that, that's the first mention of it. And the scroll is the Christian's assurance. And a little bit later on, you'll see Christian lose his scroll, but he eventually finds it. But that's the, that is what the scroll is. It's the assurance that God gives his, his children that we are in Christ. And, you know, when we are negligent in our walk with Christ, uh, God always disciplines those whom he loves. And, and we know one of the ways in which God disciplines is he does remove our assurance for a time. Is that, is that when he falls asleep? Mm-hmm. That, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, Bunyan's good, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Is it, Again, it is the, the pilgrim's progress. It is our walk with Christ. And my kids are, my students, who I love to death, uh, we were watching a video on the Puritans and eventually got to Bunyan, and I paused, and I just, I love to, I mean, he just fascinates me. I mean, I just, this guy is just, amazing and so I started to elaborate on him and the and like a day or two later the kids came up and said Mr. Parks will you take us through Pilgrim's Progress <laughs> amen yeah. yes I will <laughs> and but I told him that the only way I'll do it is this and uh and for your audience uh, uh I would encourage you uh to listen very carefully I told them that first of all this is not a children's book uh second of all we need to take it seriously, and we need to see, we need to study the scriptures that are being used, because that's the most important thing is the Word of God and how that is supporting what Bunyan is saying, and it does. Mm -hmm. And here's the kicker. You must promise me that, again, by God's grace, that you will seriously consider applying what you learn from this mm-hmm. to your own life. Because if we just keep it at an intellectual ascent in our minds, what good is that going to do us? Mm-hmm. But if we, were, if we will sincerely learn from this and then by God's grace and ask him to help us to apply this to our lives, that's where it's going to benefit us. That's good. Have you seen some fruit with any of them so far? We talked today. Uh, I asked them, uh, you know, we... Uh, we finished up our chapter, and then I asked them if they had any questions about the Pilgrim's Progress, and of course they didn't have any. I said, okay, I've got a question for each one of you. I want you to tell me how, um, or I want you to tell me one part that we've covered so far that uh, you know you need to apply to your life. And they all four gave me 
Mm-hmm. We had one missing today. So all four of them told me that, you know, they, and it dealt with relationships with others, uh, especially those who are having a bad influence on them. Uh, one of them was, uh, again, the talking about the narrow way and what impressed him was something I brought out as Bunyan. It's not in Pilgrim's Progress, but Bunyan said that this narrow way is like walking on, a, on the edge of a razor blade. And on each side you have a deep ditch of legalism, and on the other side you have a deep ditch of licentiousness and how easy it is to fall off. And again, we can only navigate that narrow way as again, as we are setting our eyes on Jesus Christ and reminding ourselves of the gospel and reminding ourselves of what is true about us because of the gospel. And so those are, they are taking it in. Uh, uh, they know what to apply. Now, whether they are or not, that's a different story, but I hope they do. <laughs> so you said uh, you, you were telling them it's not a children's book, which I agree. Do you have any like recommendations on how old a child should well, be? Well, you know what? I mean, I think I got uh, a children's version for my grandchildren the oldest is seven uh i don't want to embarrass you or shame you i'm embarrassed and shamed uh, charles spurgeon read this at six years old <laughs> i'm not embarrassed i've read his biography <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh and you know and again he read over 100 times uh i would say read it to your kids yeah uh it's just like you read scripture to your kids yeah. Uh, and you know you don't read through your Bible once, and okay, I'm done, yeah, and yeah. move on. Uh, and I think you kind of, in a way, in a way, you got to be careful here. This is not the Bible, but it's grounded in the Bible, and I think you treat it in much the same way. It needs to be read. I think that's why Spurgeon read over a hundred times, because yeah. that's what he he was able to draw, yeah. you know, godly counsel from it. Yeah, that's really good. This may be a silly question. Did these scripture references come when we started to bring it into modern English, or was that something that Bunyan had in his writings, manuscripts, or? I can't answer. I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I wonder that. Like references in the text mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. I've I've seen some versions that uh, don't have any, mm-hmm. uh, but that's what I appreciated. I got to meet Barry Horner up in St. Joe. He came and did a whole. <laughs> conference on John Bunyan nice. and in his version it's just Bible verse after Bible verse cited at the bottom of each page Yeah, and that's what drew me to this version and that's the only one I really I will use and our church will use because simply because of that because it's got the scripture yeah. references yeah that's uh, always wondered who went through this yeah and, and yeah. made sure to connect all the dots that was that was a work too yeah well, it's it's a super important work though, because yeah. mm-hmm. that is our foundation. And the and the references, whoever did this, uh, just nailed it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they really did a good job of, which makes me think like maybe Bunyan had this written down somewhere. I would not be. I, I that would be my educated guess. Yeah, uh, and if not, then I wonder somebody like Spurgeon, mm. who would have the ability to. Yeah. <laughs> Because I know I wouldn't have the ability. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that uh, movie that came out a couple years ago? That animated version. Yes, uh, Faith Community uh, showed that, and uh, Christy and I went. And I mean, it's a movie. Yeah. And 
The books are always better than the movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. I, 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 there's two cases in my life where that's not been true, but the the exceptions for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah, I don't ever want to know. I don't care. I'll tell you. you your, okay, no, I'll I tell just you. said I don't care. Uh, the Green Mile, better movie than the book, and The Count of Monte Cristo, which is an old book, better movie than you the book. You read both those books? Yep. Okay. In high school, before I was converted, oh, I read then those you books. didn't read those books. Yes, I did. Because <laughs> I, I know that because they're like the only two books I ever read before I. Because <laughs> he was forced <laughs> to read them <laughs> to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but they were good. So, what do you recommend for a church uh, if they want to go through this together? What's a, what's a good format or setting, or how do you facilitate something like that? We have gone through it uh, four times as a church. Four times. Uh, unintentionally doing it on every presidential election year. I don't know how that might <laughs> happen, but uh, and we go together, and we will. We I just simply will read. And I will pause, make comment. I will ask certain people to, you know, like the Bible verses the are, are cited below, and I'll have a, you know, Dakota, would you read this, you know, verse? And Andrew, would you read this verse? And whoever, and have them read it and maybe discuss that. How does it tie in? Lots of discussion. Uh, it, it'll take us approximately seven to nine months to mm. get through this book. But it's worth it. Uh, everybody tells me it's worth it. Um, that's why we do it every four years. You know, we don't do it every year. But Do people become more familiar through that exercise of, say, they find themselves in a place of despair, captured by the giant? I think uh, the people have gone through it multiple times. That is true. Uh, I find my—I am no Spurgeon. But I do find myself quoting— Bunyan, I do find myself using those illustrations in my sermons, and I think that's another valuable thing is that you've gone through it. They know. they they Celestial city, I know what that means. Oh, the key in your pocket. You know, you, you bring up some of those things, and they, I think, it sparks that, uh, yeah. their mind to remember, yeah, and, and it gets stuck in there. It it illustrates the Bible for them and helps them carry that yeah. better memory format. Yeah. So are you getting the same idea that I am, that we need to do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be beneficial for sure. Yeah. But wow, so good. Anything else you have, Andy, to say about this? I don't. I don't have any extra questions or anything. Well, so you recommend the Barry Horner copy. You can get that on Amazon. Um, there's a children's copy, a, a newer one, um, and I forget where that was from. Your wife bought it. It's probably the same one that you bought. Where did? Do you remember where you got your children's version? Reformer, of, Reformation Heritage. That, yeah, that's right. Is it a hardcover? Yes. And it's got a little rabbit on the front of it. I think as the character as Christian. It's the animals. Oh, this it's the animals. Oh, okay. This is yeah. I don't think is that's it? the one we got. I've. I don't remember if she bought it from Westminster Theological Seminary or this one. I think it was, I think it was Little Pilgrim's Big Journey or something Mm. like that. Was a a different edition, but so yeah, there's options available for everyone to utilize this resource and go through it. Uh, Like Jeff said, there's, I mean, you can go through it time and time again and uh, be benefited by it. 
number one, because of how it's grounded in scripture. Number two, because it gives you illustrations, keys to keep with you as you walk this pilgrim's progress. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, Jeff, thank you. Yes, thank you well, so Well, thank much. you for having me. You helped us. Yeah. I hope so. Yes. Helped our hearers. <laughs> yes. So. Hopefully they're encouraged to pick it up, read it. Pick it up. We've got several copies in our library at the uh, church at Holt, uh, mm-hmm. Cornerstone Baptist, which is now meeting at Trist Falls or The Falls. The Falls. <laughs> the Falls. Try to avoid that word, <laughs> yeah, Trist. <no. laughs> the church that meets at Trist Falls. Um, anyways, they're out of The Falls off of uh, Highway 92, just east of Kearney. And so visit them, too. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. I hope this is beneficial to you. Submit your questions, as always, to info at roaringglory.com. Uh, my voice cracks. Let me say that again. <laughs> info at roaringglory.com. All right. I thought we were going to make a whole show without you cracking one. Nope. This is, uh, nope. Been too far gone. Yeah. We got to, yeah. Being regular. Got to get work back out here. Okay. We love you. <laughs>